0: Hello, and thank you so very much for tuning into the Pop Culture Retrospective Podcast, a show inspired by, and in memory of, my big sister Rebecca, and her love for all things pop culture, especially the people, places, and things of the 1980s, 1990s, and early 2000s. My name is Amy Lewis, and I am your captain aboard this pop culture time machine. You are tuning in to episode number 66, the 90s con recap episode. I'm not quite sure how I missed this, but I found out about a special event called 90s Con pretty gosh darn late, if I do say so myself. I believe it was in February of this year. Somehow I stumbled upon this conference being held in Connecticut, not too far from where I live, just a couple hour drive, and close to some family of mine. And the focus is on 90s pop culture. I mean, come on now. I just knew. I had to go. Unfortunately, because I found out so late, I wasn't able to attend the entire weekend as it runs Friday through Sunday, but hey, I was grateful that I could even attend for one day. And this happened in mid-March, I believe the conference was March 17th to the 19th, so I went on the 19th. I arrived at the Hartford Convention Center at about 8:30 a.m. and pulled into the parking garage. I was worried that it would take me forever to find parking, but thankfully there were plenty of spots. I noticed that a lot of people were waiting outside of the convention center. I read that there wasn't a coat check at the event, so it was best to keep coats in vehicles. I didn't want to wait outside. If you know me, you know that I can't stand cold weather. So I didn't want to be out in the cold with no jacket. So I took a quick selfie with the marquee board behind me with the 90s Con logo and headed back to the Marriott Hotel, which is located right next to the convention center. That way I could hang out somewhere warm And the selfie, by the way, is not very good. I am horrible at taking selfies. I'm a photographer. I love photography. I hate taking selfies of myself because they always come out terrible. Anyways, it was obvious that a lot of people at the Marriott, and I'm biased towards Marriott because I used to work for them. So, you know, Marriott's just awesome. Uh, It was very obvious that a lot of people at the Marriott were attending the convention. I noticed a gentleman covered head to toe in neon colored gear, including 90s themed parachute pants. I also saw people wearing NSYNC and 90210 shirts. I also saw a plethora of fanny packs. I knew I had found my people. And to answer your question, I don't wear a fanny pack. I wouldn't be caught dead in one. Moving on. At 9am, the doors for the convention center finally opened, so I made my way over there as I wasn't sure how long it would take me to get to the area where 90s Con was. After a quick bag check, I headed up the escalator, went to Will Call to get my official's 90-con badge, and stood in line, anxiously awaiting the people to allow us in. People who had purchased VIP passes, I believed, were let in earlier as there were people moving about inside the convention center while I was waiting in line. Finally, after staring back and forth my phone for about an hour, they let us in after counting down from five, which just, you know, added to the excitement. Note to sell for next year, though. There is no need to arrive early unless I want to be the first in line for something involving a celebrity. That was not on my agenda this year, so I slowly walked in. No need to run. When I first walked in, I stumbled upon the vendor, something I was really looking forward to. Unfortunately, I don't think it was formally announced anywhere in terms of which vendors would be there and what they would be selling, but I was excited to check everything out. There had to have been at least... 30 to 40 vendors in all. It was hard to tell, but for the most part, what they were selling was of interest to attendees. Except for the renewal by Anderson's Window Company. I'm not sure if you are familiar with Anderson Windows, depending on where you live in the country or out of the country, but they, well, replace windows and doors on houses, and I'm guessing commercial properties as well. I've actually had a couple of windows and doors replaced in my own home by Anderson Windows. But anyways, they seem to insert themselves into conventions and festivals that have nothing to do with windows and doors or home improvement or anything like that. I'm not sure how motivated people were to get new windows or doors when they wanted to get in line to see Kimmy Gilbler from Full House. Okay, call me crazy, but I'm pretty sure they did not generate much business. Wrong crowd, you know? Anywho, back to 90s con. People were selling 90s-themed Funko Pops posters, TV and movie still photos, candles, snacks, memorabilia, paintings, patches, toys, and earrings. I stopped by a business named Night Owl Designs and purchased three pairs of earrings— one pair has Betty White on them. Amazing. Another has cassette tapes on them. I've already gotten a bunch of compliments on them. And the third pair I bought has a cast of Goonies on them. Those were for my wife as she loves that movie. It's like they knew I was coming and put out this jewelry just for me. I'll put a link to their Instagram account in the show notes. You could also purchase official 90s Con gear at a large table, including items like a baseball cap, which I bought. Slap bracelets, which I also bought for my kids, as well as a windbreaker jacket, a beanie baby-looking bear, sweatshirts, t-shirts, and more. Finally, there were also several tattoo artists there. That's right, if you went to 90s con, you could bring home a permanent souvenir. I'm not quite sure what people got for tattoos while they were there, but I think some people may have gotten their favorite 90s stars autographs on their bodies. I'm not kidding. When someone finds my dead lifeless body i hope the first thing they see is tori spelling's signature on my neck so that the paramedics know how important the show 90210 was to me i kid i kid i actually do have a few tattoos but i need a lot more time to plan something like that out but still that was an unexpected addition to the vendors and it you know seemed pretty legit so that's pretty cool I walked through the vendor aisles many, many times. I didn't really need or want anything, but it was fun to again be around people that are oddly obsessed with past decades like me. There were several different photo ops spread throughout the convention center. You could have someone take your picture next to a newspaper stand, a telephone booth, that was very popular, or next to a bunch of tube TVs, and you bet. I did one by the tube TVs, okay? I also paid $5 for a photo op with the Golden Gaze, which is a troupe of drag actresses dressed up to look like the Golden Girls. And whoever did Dorothy's makeup, my goodness, did that look surprisingly accurate. Holy guacamole. They were standing on a set that resembled sort of a cartoonish looking kitchen like the one from the classic TV show. The photo op is called Hashtag Token Sophia, so they hand over a wig that looks just like Sophia's, as well as a kind of wicker-ish purse and oversized glasses. They could not have been nicer, and it sounds like they perform all over the world as their Golden Girls counterparts. I was very excited to show them my Betty White, aka Rose earrings, since I had put them on right after I bought them. There was also a slime booth from Nickelodeon and an area where you could play 90s video games. I also noticed a DJ as I was walking around. He was playing 90s-themed music for the weekend. Thankfully, it wasn't overly loud, which I really appreciated. Which, that's when you know you're getting really old. It's, you know, when you walk in somewhere, you're like, Oh, thank God, this music isn't really loud. I can focus and concentrate, and I won't leave here with a migraine. Anyways, throughout my day at the convention, I heard music by Nirvana, Criss Cross, and Backstreet Boys, among many, many others. I'm assuming he played Sync as well, but I must have missed it. And I think we all know that Sync is significantly better than Backstreet Boys. Trust me. And feel free to fight me on it. I will win, and I'll show you some dance moves. Anyways, throughout the weekend, there were many panels held where you could see any number of celebrities from a certain TV show, musical genre, or movie. For example, on Saturday, there was panels for Save by the Bell, All That, Hocus Pocus, Charmed, Full House, and Nine O Two O. And I was definitely bummed I missed Save by the Bell especially and Full House. I know the other panels were quite popular as well. However, on Sunday, I attended most of the panels that were offered. The panels are included with your entry ticket, so I wanted to make sure to take advantage of that. Each panel was facilitated by an employee of People magazine. The facilitator asked some of their own questions, and then the last few minutes, the audience was able to ask their own. The first panel I sat in on was for the movie Clueless. In attendance for the panel was Alicia Silverstone, who played Cher, Stacey Dash, who played Dion, Brecklin Meyer, who played Travis, and Elisa Donovan, who played Amber. During the Clueless panel, Alicia Silverstone commented about how she didn't really get to know her co-actors all that much. She was in every scene of that movie, so her time making the movie was quite busy. Silverstone had just come off of making eight movies back-to-back when she was in Clueless, so she expressed feeling quite exhausted by the time she got to this movie. When asked what her favorite scene is, she said it was a scene in which she and Dion are driving and things go a little crazy. And that is definitely an amazing and hilarious scene in that movie. Breckenmeyer was a highlight of the panel, that is for sure. He was getting the uh, American Sign Language interpreter to sign the most random things, including poop, and then the lyrics to Lose Yourself by Eminem. And he later recited the lyrics to Ice Ice Baby, which, you know, the interpreter had to do, and that was also pretty hilarious. But he did a really nice job of just sort of bringing attention to the interpreters, who are really incredible, and he gave um, the woman who was doing it a hug, which was quite sweet. When asked why the movie continues to resonate with audiences almost 30 years later, Stacy Dash said that the chemistry of the actors in the movie and the fashions are a big part of the draw. In fact, I saw many people dressed like Cher in attendance at the conference. Alicia Silverstone had about 65 different outfit changes throughout the movie, but unfortunately, it sounds like no one got to keep all of those amazing clothes. Elisa Donovan shared that Clueless was her first movie, and that alone made it very memorable for her. The panel also discussed some memories of Brittany Murphy. Brecken commented that he knew she was destined to do great things. She was a fabulous actress and an excellent singer, and how heartbreaking it was for her to pass at such a young age. And maybe if you don't remember, Brittany Murphy played Ty in that movie and does a does a great job in it. Breck and Meyer is actually best friends with Seth Green, who apparently dated Murphy at one time. Uh, Meyer also talked about still being close friends with Donald Faison, who played Murray in the movie. And although he was not at 90s Con, the cast members present talked a lot about Paul Rudd and how incredibly charming he Handsome and genuinely kind he is, and that is definitely true. The panel facilitator asked the group what they are up to these days, and here's what they had to say. Stacy Dash is currently doing a lot of interior design work. P.S. I think she's in her mid to late 50s, I think I read, and she looks amazing. Um, Lisa is an author. She wrote a book recently about her father who died of cancer, and it's called Weeping on Your Knees. The book is actually being turned into a film. Brecken is a writer for the show Robot Chicken with his best friend Seth Green, which I didn't realize that, and my sister actually loved that show. I think it's on Cartoon Network, I want to say. Alicia recently starred in the film Perpetrator, which has been shown at the Berlin Film Festival. She is also going to be in a movie called Reptile with my imaginary husband, Justin Timberlake. Silverstone was later asked if she would ever do a reboot of the film Blast from the Past, which she starred in with Brendan Fraser, who recently won an Oscar for his role in The Whale. She said that she absolutely would. The second to last question was from an audience member, and it was about which tape or CD did the actors and actresses wear out in the 1990s, or CD or tape, I think it was. Alicia said Jagged Little Pill, the album by Alanis Morissette. Stacey said Anything by Nirvana, good call on that. Lisa said, "Public Enemy," and Brecken said, "Pearl Jam" and "Rage Against the Machine." I think I could be friends with any of these people because I think we have a lot in common when it comes to music. The last question by the audience was by an individual who asked the group, in their best clueless character voice, to say their favorite line from the movie. Here is a bit of a soundbite from that moment. It was pretty memorable. <laughs> the next panel I attended was entitled Boy Bands, which consisted of Joey Fatone and Chris Kirkpatrick of InSync, as well as Jeff Timmons from 98 Degrees. If you knew me in my teenage years, then you likely know that I was obsessed with InSync, Oh my god. I saw them in concert three times when I was in high school. I still have some of my concert tickets, I think, in a photo album somewhere. And I know some of their choreography, which is a really long, dumb story. So I was really excited to see Chris and Joey. I also had my photo taken with Lance Bass, which I turned into a Christmas card in 2001. But I digress. The panel session was pretty informal, but it was a lot of fun. Chris and Joey are super funny and charismatic, so it was a good reminder of why they were such great performers. Jeff from 98 Degrees was definitely not as outgoing as Chris and Joey, but he still had a lot of fun stories to share and add to the discussion. A lot of the conversation revolved around comparing the various boy bands of the 90s to each other, but mostly in a poking fun way, not in an actual competitive way. I think the media really made that out to be a lot worse than it really was. Uh, It was pretty hysterical to say the least, Jeff admitted that 98 Degrees were not good dancers, which if you watch it in their music videos, that is quite apparent. And Chris chimed in and said that NSYNC was, which is accurate, and uh, led to applause and cheers from the audience, including for myself. I would say NSYNC were the best dancers of all the boy bands of the 90s, and again, you can fight me on that. Chris and Joey commented that 98 Degrees mainly just did the box dance when they were on stage and the three of them proceeded to perform the box dance while singing Give Me Just One Night Una Noche together and kind of impromptu it was it was pretty awesome. Both 98 Degrees and NSYNC cross paths a lot in their early days, especially in Europe, which is where InSync first made it big. Jeff said that when he first saw NSYNC performing, he knew that they were going to become something really huge. And of course they did. The performers went on to talk about funny encounters with fans, including one time when two girls snuck into a uh, snuck onto a room service cart and got themselves delivered to NSYNC's hotel room, which that is hilarious and just seems like something out of a movie, but apparently it really happened. And it sounds like situations like these were not at all unusual at the time. Jeff did say that 98 Degrees did have some beef with another boy band group called Five. I believe they had the song entitled Slam Dunk. Da Funk, Slam Dunk Da Funk, not The Funk, Da Funk. And despite the long standing rumors, there really wasn't a rivalry between NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys. Chris said that he actually is pretty close friends with AJ from Backstreet Boys. And today I decided that I wanted to look up the music video for Slam Dunk Da Funk. And Phi uh, was really not that great of a group. And I'm not surprised that they didn't make it very big. Their dancing skills resemble something out of maybe a middle school dance routine, and it's not good. Anyways. For the most part, it sounds like members of both InSync and 98 Degrees continue to be in contact with each other. 98 Degrees have been working on some new music, and InSync apparently has a group text going, pretty much at all times. Lance apparently is the very nostalgic member of InSync and often reminds everyone of anniversaries and milestones from the group's history. Jeff ended the session by saying that Insync should reunite and that it's way overdue. Of course, everyone screamed and cheered when he said that, including myself. But we all know that my husband is not going to agree to that. Ugh, so sad. I just wanted to take a quick break to tell all of the wonderful listeners of the show that I have a new subscription option program called The Pop Culture Retrospective Superfans. If you have been enjoying the show for a while and love the content, please consider becoming a supporter of the program. Believe it or not, podcasting is not free. There's a lot of overhead to host the shows, run a website, have the appropriate equipment, and more. And... I devote literally hours of work to each episode between researching, recording, and editing, which I absolutely love doing. But after almost three years of doing this show, I am stepping out of my comfort zone and starting this new program to help ensure my show continues for years to come. Each month, subscribers will get access to an exclusive episode, early access to regular shows, and more. You can learn more about the program by visiting my website, www.popcultureretrospective.com, and click on the subscribe and support the show tab at the top. And now, back to the show. The final panel I attended was on the Wonder Years. In attendance was Danica McKellar, who played Winnie Cooper, and Olivia Diabo, who played Karen Arnold, Kevin's older sister in the show. And I'm sure I'm butchering her last name. I have, for, for some reason, I have a hard time pronouncing things, especially when there's vowels involved, and you'll learn that in, my, uh, in an upcoming episode. Um, it's, I blame growing up in the Midwest for that. Anyways... I didn't realize this, but Diablo was actually British with a thick British accent, so she had to perfect an American accent for the show. Out of all the panels that I attended, Danica really seemed to be the most down-to-earth celebrity that I heard speak. And her mom was actually in the audience during the panel, which added another layer of just making Danica incredibly endearing. And again, she she also looks amazing. I think she's pushing 50 as well, mid-40s, and she looks like she's 25. If Danica had trouble remembering something from the show or her childhood, her mom would help remind her it was pretty cute. Um, I learned a lot of interesting behind-the-scenes information about the show and Danica, which I didn't know before. First of all, the character of Winnie Cooper was only supposed to be in the pilot episode. However, she did such a great job on the show and was such a sweet character, I'm sure everybody remembers that, that she remained on the show for the duration of its run of six seasons. Danica's sister was also considered for the role of Winnie Cooper, but it was given to Danica, of course. However, her sister, her name is Crystal McKellar, was cast as Becky Slater, a role that was created just for her. How cool is that? Both Danica and her sister did acting as sort of a side gig just for fun. It was never supposed to be a big, huge, you know, time commitment or something they were pursuing to do, like, full-time. McKellar's parents tried to keep her as grounded as possible during her time on television— She actually didn't attend the Emmys the first year that the Wonder Years was nominated because her dad had already planned a family rafting trip for the family. Also, the kiss between Kevin and Danica was her first kiss ever, and it was quite perfect, to say the least, because she actually had a real-life crush on Fred Savage. I mean, who didn't? He was adorable and looks the same to this day. He's still pretty cute, but sounds like he might be kind of a jerk behind the scenes. I don't know. It doesn't matter. This isn't a gossipy podcast, but that's just interesting. Olivia Diabo reminisced about working alongside a young David Schwimmer who played her husband in the show, and he would later go on to play Ross on Friends, of course. One thing I didn't realize about this show is that it was sort of canceled uh, somewhat unexpectedly. They filmed some scenes and some episodes, and all of a sudden it was over, catching everyone off guard. Both actresses gave the audience an update about what they are up to these days. Danica is now producing movies and was on Dancing with the Stars a few years ago. She's also a published author. She has written several books about math, if I am remembering correctly. Olivia is still acting as well, both in movies like Staycation and in TV shows like Jane the Virgin. After the panels ended, I did a few more laps through the celebrity booths where you could get selfies and autographs with various 90s stars like Mark Paul Gossler, who played Zach Morris on Saved by the Bell, Danny Tamborelli from The Adventures of Pete and Pete, Shannon Doherty from 90210, and just so many others. Selfies and autographs were an extra charge, and then there were also professional photo ops, which were also an extra charge. Since I was just there for one day, I didn't want to spend time in lines waiting for celebrities and shelling out a lot of money, but it was a lot of fun just to walk around and sort of take it all in. I think I walked past Mario Lopez about a million times, and he has aged like a fine wine, and his hair is perfection. The celebrity encounters I know were a huge draw for people attending 90s Con, which I think I may have mentioned earlier in this episode or uh, maybe in my blog post about 90s Con on my website, Um, I am in the 90s con Facebook group. That's the only reason I have Facebook. It's for groups. I don't post or have friends or anything on Facebook. So don't look for me there because there's not much going on other than my group for the podcast. Uh, But tons of people posted all of their photos with celebrities. And I imagine some people must have spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars on photos, which I mean, if that's your thing, by all means, this is a place to do it. Many people commented on how nice all the celebrities were, including Shannon Doherty, who said she's been feeling pretty good these days. I think she's had cancer off and on for the last few years, which is really sad and unfortunate. And Melissa Joan Hart was apparently really nice. She was in Clarissa Explains It All and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I will post a link to the 90s Con website so that you can see who appeared at 90s Con in Connecticut. You can also find more information about other pop culture related conventions on the website that I will link in that post. It is pretty cool to think that these famous people make time to see their fans. And sure, there is money involved, which is just kind of awkward. Like you had to pay, I think, in cash when you went up to a celebrity for a selfie or autograph or some of them took cards, which that would just be like really weird to have Mario Lopez taking my $50 bill. But anyways, um, (laughs) this is weird. Uh, But hey, I understand they also need to be paid for their time and and travel and stuff like that. And I'm sure a lot of people at that convention don't necessarily need the money. You know, their shows are, you you know, reruns and, you know, they're doing other acting gigs. So obviously, there is some motivation to connect with fans, which I think is pretty, pretty darn cool. It sounds like the 90s con in Hartford is going to be an annual thing each spring, which I am extremely happy about. And there's also going to be one this fall in Tampa, Florida. I think the one in the fall apparently is going to be rotating locations, but the one in Connecticut is going to stay. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that that happens because I would love to go back next year and go for the entire weekend. Like with any experience in traveling, there were certainly some pros and cons. However, I am really happy that I went and I look forward to going again in the future. I hope you'll join me for my next show where we will be discussing a few television episodes of well-known TV shows from the 90s with the help of my new friends over at the 90s Noise podcast. I was also recently a guest on the Up All Night, a horror anthology podcast, so please check that out as well. I'll put a link to both of those podcasts in my show notes. Until then, be kind, be safe, and hold on to your memories.